Hey there, and welcome back to the Etsy Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Cody McGuffey, and today we're talking with full-time seller, Andrea Raymond. She has been selling on Etsy since 2014. Super fun episode. We dive into the details of her business. We talk about production. We talk about cash flow. We talk about how she manages all of this while being pregnant with her first baby. Here's a clip from today's show. It's so hard to say because in February, like, okay, it's like, I always give this example. We do 45% of our revenue in November and December. And so like, we will do $30,000 or whatever in November and December or whatever we're, whatever it is for the year. It's always right around 45, 50%. And then in February, we'll, we'll do like 2000 because it's just completely dead. And so it's, it is a drastic difference based on the time of the year. Again, this podcast is brought to you by Everbee. Everbee is the growth tool that helps Etsy sellers find winning products and get more sales for Etsy. Uh, with Everbee, you could see the revenue estimates. You could see the monthly sales of a listing and how much it's generating. You could see the tags that each listing is using to actually drive that SEO and get those sales. Everbee shows you the keyword search volume that helps you understand what people are actually typing in that search bar, what are they searching for, and then what are they actually buying? Okay, it's the tool that you guys need to be using to grow your Etsy business. Sign up for free everbee.io. All right, jump into today's episode. Okay, see you over there. Let's dive into like your story because you have you have a bunch of things going on in your life, a bunch of things going on in in your business and I think that like it was inspiring. You have an inspiring story that we wanted to kind of share with our community at Everbee. And so yeah, just how did you get to to Etsy? Like when did you start? Um, okay. So I started my Etsy shop, I think it was in 20, it would have been 2014. Wow. So, um, several years ago, the platform has changed a lot in that time span. Like it is completely different. It has changed CEOs. Um, I don't even know that, like, I honestly don't even know if you could run Etsy ads at the time. So like strategy has changed. A lot has changed. I started as a senior in high school with a, um, like cricket. Do you know what that is? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A, the die cutting machine, um, selling embroidered, not embroidered. Cause I was with a cricket selling heat press monograms on a t-shirt and then quickly switched over to embroidery. And that's what I've been doing ever since. That's insane. Okay. Um, and so you, that means everything is like literally manual. You're doing everything out of your shop right now. Mm-hmm. Yes. Give us, give us insight right about that. So what is your process at the moment? I know you were switching and we'll go into that, but like, what's the yeah. moment your, your process at the moment? Like, like fulfillment, like sure. how we fulfill. Yeah. Like let's say you get an order and then like, now what do you do? Okay. So we work in batches. Um, it's the time of the year is dependent on how many batches we're making. If that makes sense. So like during busy season, which for us is November and December. Um, cause that's like normal retail in the United States business season. Um, we do a batch every day and during busy season, it'll consist of like 50 to 60 orders a day that we're like sewing, making all the stuff. But during slow season, we'll do a batch once a week. And so what we do, what that looks like is every order gets printed out onto a piece of paper. And then there's like several steps you have to take to embroider something. So you have to make the monogram on a computer and then get it to the machine, get the item on the machine run the machine, then pack and ship it. And so that's how like we do every step in a batch just because obviously making a monogram, running a machine, packing and shipping for one item, like doing that one time, but for seven things is so much more efficient than doing it 
you know, do you yep. understand what I'm saying? I do. Like, absolutely do. Yep. Okay. Um, that's amazing. And first of all, like, it's so different compared to like what we're, what we're seeing at the evolution of Etsy, like kind of happening right now. It's like more going to print on demand. It's going to like yes. digital listings, going to like all that stuff. And obviously it makes, makes sense why it's doing that. Um, mm -hmm. But you're doing it like the, I don't, don't want to say old school way. It's just doing it the manual way, right? Like it's, there's, it is the old school. Like what I feel like the way Etsy was like it was designed first. To. Mm -hmm. yep. It was designed for that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it's obviously evolving. Um, yes. How, how, how many employees do you, are you just doing it? Like what's your setup? Like, is it you? It's just me and my mom. And I yeah. do like all of the um, strategy, I guess, like any decisions that we're making for like what we want to do, we move forward or like keywords or anything like that is me. She more or less just like helps me. So, so right. yeah. Very cool. And like orders per day and stuff like that. Can we, cause like a lot of people, a lot of sellers, they have no idea what's even like reasonable, right? What's possible mm -hmm. even, um, orders per day. Can you share anything like revenue or sales wise or like anything oh, for that? I would have to look at my stats, but like for, for my shop specifically, it's so hard to say because in February, like, okay. So like, I always give this example, we do 45% of our revenue in November and December. Cool. And so like, we will do $30,000 or whatever in November and December or whatever we're, whatever it is for yep. the year, it's always right around 45, 50%. And then in February we'll, we'll do like 2000 yep. cause it's just completely dead. And so it's, it is a drastic difference based on the time of the year. Understood. Cool. And so, and that's, that's real. Right. And I appreciate you sharing like the realness there too, too, because sometimes sellers, uh, they get, they come here, they come to Etsy, they come to Everbee and from YouTube or a TikTok video. And it's basically like how I made a million dollars in like two months or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> something crazy. And not that that's unrealistic. I mean, things happen. It's fine, right. but like, it's not like that, right? Like that's not real. That's not real life. Um, no. And right now I'm seeing tons of people come to my YouTube, com like my YouTube channel and my Instagram with things like sales are dropping off like crazy, like, and they're super concerned. I'm like, but you're comparing it to your November, December numbers. And now we're in February and look at everywhere else in retail. Like, of course, sales are going to drop off, but nobody's talking about that. Yep. And people are like freaking out about yep. it. And I'm like, this is completely normal. Yep. So, so, so what you're telling those people that the sales are dropping off, how, how, so you're basically telling them it's normal. And then like, what mm -hmm. do you just kind of wait it out? Or do you go after like an evergreen category next? Or like, what can they do in the time, in that time? I plan for it. And so like for over the past eight years, there has never been a time span where my February was bigger, busier than my November, never ever. And so I'm like, to me in my shop, November and December is spent getting orders out. It's spent doing the work and every single project that is not urgent is put on the back burner for February. And yep. so things like, you know, all of the random tasks in business that pop up that you have to do, but no one sees mm -hmm. that is the kind of stuff that I push off as like during if those kinds of things pop up and they're urgent, I handle them, but everything that's not urgent gets pushed off to a slow season for me. So I use them to do those kinds of projects. The slow seasons. Cool. So basically, um, it's managing your, that's managing your business. Right. And we could talk a little bit about that is having re expectations, understanding like the ebbs and flows of business yeah. and then managing your cash flow and your time accordingly. So for when right. January, so when you have sales in November and December, you have, you have a lot of sales, you have a lot of profit. And then like, don't just go and like spend all that money and buy a BMW, or buy, <laughs> you know, like kind of save for a little bit, make sure yes. that you kind of anticipate the, the slower season 
and then recalibrate, kind of go from there. Right. Exactly. That's awesome. so important. <laughs> like so Absolutely. important. It's, it's, it's kind of, nobody really talks about that. Actually. I'm happy that we're talking about it because I've never talked about it. Like on the podcast or anything like that is like how important like cash flow management is actually. Um, very important. Yeah. Like, can you kind of tell, uh, I guess the new seller that they have like five sales, right? Mm -hmm. What should they be thinking about right now as they get their five sales? Like when it comes to like, how much like, money should they have in the bank? Um, oh man, you know how that totally depends <laughs> like on their financial situation, like what their Etsy store is contributing to their lives. Mm -hmm. Like if you are married and your spouse is bringing in most the income, then yep. you can probably be a little more chill like about that. If you are dependent on it, then you probably need to be like getting after it with SEO and like listing more products and doing all of the yeah. Etsy best practices is what I always call them to try and get as much revenue as possible. And then also like lowering your spending as much as possible I for your it. business. I, I think, yeah, you nailed it. I totally agree. And like, I don't have like a rule that I follow here um, for people, like a blanket rule. Cause it all, it always depends. Mm -hmm. but I think at the end of the day, like the way that I've operated my businesses that and I've started like many of them and failed in mm -hmm. a lot of them and, and succeeded in some of them. Um, but it's like, I don't pull from the business until it's yeah. like cash flow positive. Yeah. And it's got like also a good amount, a chunk in the bank account. Um, yeah. Is that how in you a business of savings? In a business checking, business savings, however yeah. you want to But yeah, right, business, right. Business bank account, I mean. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Like in that set aside for your business. Absolutely. Yeah. I would say that I kind of follow that same rule because I don't, I don't ever want to be in a situation where I have to pull for my personal to pay for my business no way, Out, outside of obviously there is startup costs and that yes. will happen of course, but I don't want to be in a situation where like, and for at least for mine and my husband's, um, financial picture, it makes much more sense for me to contribute less. If that's the year that we're having rather than take and spend, 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 if that makes sense. It does. Okay. Um, I call it like, uh, milking the business too early, I guess. Right. Yeah. That's Almost. a really, really good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it's so common. It's not just common Etsy, by the way, it's common, like in e-commerce and it's common just in business mm -hmm. in general. I see people like living off of their, their, in their revenue and they're not living off their profit. In fact, and, and it's such a, yeah. it's such a thing that's like, I made $5,000 this month. So I spent 5,000 and it's like, no, no, no. You had cost in there. You had like all this stuff in here. Yeah. Especially when you see it really, really early and then you're like, oh, prepare for taxes or like anything that's just a huge, huge expense, any, any random or just the random, random expenses that you're going to oh. have. Like for us, it could be a machine going down. And then in order to process orders, we have backups now, but like in the beginning, in order to process orders, you're spending $1,200 just to go buy a new machine because you're, you're oh need, you'd have to have it. That's really. I think a good rule of thumb is probably just like if your profit margins on your product uh, is like, let's say 40%, right? Mm -hmm. Then you should probably be living, you should only be paying yourself like a portion of that 40%, such yeah. as like 5% or 10%. If you're going to pay yourself, right? then pay yourself like only like 5 or 10% of that actual profit. So for example, if you profited like $1,000 this month, yeah. you should not be paying yourself more than like whatever that is. I don't even know what that is. Um, I'm bad at math. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's. Well, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> but I agree with you that that num <laughs> numbers 
100 bucks, 50 bucks. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I agree. And then, then it's like, yeah, but then somebody will say, well, how could you ever make it work? I'm like, well, it just tells you like you need to increase the revenue, increase yeah. the profit, you know? Yes. And that's, that's what you got optimized for now. Mm -hmm. Um, it sets you up for success and like a healthy, stress-free, I don't want to say stress-free, um, less stress business. Yeah. Yes. I would agree with that. It definitely mitigates the stress for sure. And I like having this conversation with you about this because you deal with like the manual stuff, right? Like you're mm -hmm. having like right now you have product, like inventory, you yes. have like an employee, right? Which is your mom in this case. And you're also yourself doing the work. And rent. <laughs> Oh, you have a space and you have space rent. Yeah, we have a space. So we pay rent. Um, I'm in Missouri, so rent's not high, but no. there's also like the added cost of rent. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Um, so a, a new seller coming into Etsy, what kind of what's like reasonable expectation for revenue if they just are doing well? Would you say like thirty thousand dollars a year revenue? Depending, of course. Yeah. I mean, you know how it is. It's that would be like very reasonable. Like I would, I would think, but you would have to work for it. Like it definitely, there is no way that you would make even $4,000 without trying hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause it is a, it is a competitive platform and you do have to like, you do right. have to work. And so right like a business, yeah. but I would say that that's certainly possible. Yes. Cool. The way that I look at this, I'm curious if you agree or not is like, Okay, thirty thousand—that's a reasonable sh shoot, shot, you know, a thing to go after, right? But it mm -hmm. could be upwards of like over a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. And it could be actually five hundred thousand dollars, actually. Yeah. You uh, see sellers with crazy, like crazy high revenue, and then you have other on the other end, you have people that have had a shop open for three years and still make five hundred dollars a year. You know what I'm saying? So it exactly. is all across the board and how much you're willing to put into it. Yep, I totally agree with that. And the opportunity, I think, on Etsy is like. If there's people making 500,000 to a million dollars a year, which there is, I've seen yeah. it personally. And you could ever be yeah. actually, you can pretty quickly see that people are doing this. Um, mm -hmm. Like that just proves that it's possible. So if you know that it's possible, then it's a matter of just like working backwards. Okay. How do I do that? You know? Right. I agree. 100%. Um, what are your next steps? I'm curious. Like, let's dive into like your, your next things in your business. Um, okay. So we chatted about this a little bit before, but like we our, my personal life is about to change a lot because I'm pregnant with my first kid. So congratulations again. That's thank you. That is going to change a lot. Um, and we have bounced back and forth a ton about what we want to do as far as like freeing up my time to be like in the perfect world. Um, and what's definitely the goal that we are striving for is for me, my main priority to be a mom. And so okay. like, that basically all that meaning that we're like, the goal is to not have childcare for me to like awesome. be a stay at home mom. And so obviously the business is going to have to take a, a backseat to that. Of course, anyone who has kids is like, duh, <laughs> like yep. they do take time. So, um, Absolutely. we're trying to move and I guess I shouldn't say trying, we are actively taking steps to move into like a more passive, um, business model, I guess would be a good way to say it, yep. even though that sounds really fancy for like, I'm not, I don't consider myself like a business model person, but that is what it would be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It just sounds like a fancy term, <laughs> but, um, a more passive like business model for my Etsy shop. And so we're going to start phasing out the actual physical product of embroidery and moving into print on demand is the big, I guess, change that we're going to be making throughout this year. 
Awesome. Very cool. And the decision that you made there is basically to summarize it's your life is changing. So you're going to change with it. Your business yeah. is going to change. Um, you're yeah. not going to let your business control you completely. Right. And you're going to actually take the proactive steps to do this stuff now. And then move into more of like you said, passive, we all know what passive means. It's like 80% passive. Yeah. It's going to take work. Right. Of course. Um, but it's like, it's going to free up so much time and probably hard costs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely that. With your print on demand, obviously like the business will have to change a little bit with this. How about mm. your margins? Like, sounds like you kind of like look at your numbers and stuff. Um, yeah. I don't know because I've never, I had to like, look at, I don't, I'm still learning this, the pricing structure of print on demand. Cool. And so I know for a fact, it'll be different than embroidery pricing structure. Um, Cause embroidery pricing structure is not nearly as much based on percent like mm -hmm. percentage of like my cost of goods is this. And so charge X percent more. It's not like yeah. that. Um, and that's just factual because you have to obviously stay competitive in the market and that's not how anyone prices an embroidery. Um, and so that's not, that's not the way I can either. And so embroidery is like heavily, I believe heavily dependent on getting your costs down rather yeah. than being able to charge more. Um, because Etsy, by nature as a competitive platform. Sure. And so cost is just a big part of that. It just is. Um, so I'm, but I don't know how to do that with print on demand. So we're going to be learning about pricing structures. I've been listening to the Everbee podcast. I learn more about print on demand because we are, cool. it's going to be a full new thing. That's so cool. I've never done. I love that. I mean, I love that like you're adapting, right? It's so cool. And like, that's as a business owner, we do this. We, we've mm -hmm. all adapted. In fact, if you're not adapting, you're probably like falling behind. Right. Um, yeah, it's, Thanks. it's super important. And I like, I keep like telling myself this and I've talked about it on my YouTube channel. Like the one skill that I know I've developed, um, is at, is keywords and SEO. And I can take that with me as so long as I'm on Etsy, I can take that with me to any kind of business. Yep. Um, and so I'm excited to see how that happens. Yeah. And this like how that thing. unfolds. Me too. Because like, and not only just Etsy, right. You can't just, it's actually, it's, all search engines are pretty much mm -hmm. all kind of have the same rules, right? Like, yeah. So like, I yep. took, I went from Amazon to Etsy. Okay. And it worked. And then Etsy taking the same fundamentals, understanding what Etsy wants, how they want you to, you know, rank things. It's yeah. a similar thing in, in Amazon, eBay, Walmart. There's different nuances, but it's the same stuff. Right. Um, it's, I always, I find that too. Like, even just when you're looking up like YouTube SEO or exactly. whatever, yeah. it's all boils down to like one similar, like one concept. And you just have to find out what that platform likes. Exactly. It's, it's the, how, the way I put it. Yeah. Like, like best practices for that specific platform that you're trying to rank on. Nailed it. Totally agree with this. And I think print on demand is such a cool opportunity. Um, I agree for you and also for like the whole world, because it takes away some of that, like a lot of the risk and you can actually scale so more too, because you have like, you have the busy seasons of like November, December. Mm-hmm. And like that will smooth all that out. And then you could actually probably, if you wanted to focus on the business, you could actually start launching categories and products that mm -hmm. more sell in the other parts of this, of the year. Okay. And you won't have to invest so much in, in, in maybe new machinery. And like, you could test yeah. different products and like, you could actually kind of round out your business to where the revenue kind of comes 12 months out of the year versus just, yes. year, which is exciting. I, we are, that is one of the things that I, um, I think maybe I watched it on a YouTube, I don't know. Someone suggested doing like more holiday 
related stuff. And so one of the first designs we're going to run just because I felt like it was the first design I could have my act together for like first holiday is like St. Patrick's day, which I've never seen a surge of sales in March. Not saying I will, of course Mm -hmm. I have to keyword them correctly and all that kind of stuff for them to take off, but I've never ever seen like a surge of sales in a holiday specific outside of Christmas. Interesting. So that's so cool. Cause now you can actually, you'd be hesitant to do that probably with your current business setup because like yeah. it's going to take investment and set up time and all this stuff. But like with mm-hmm. demand, you could literally test different things. You can test of, like yeah. crazy. I yep. mean, obviously if you wanted to make it expensive, you could, you could hire a designer for the design and all that kind of yep. stuff. Sure. But like what it really boils down to, if you want to run a new design, you could, I mean, you wouldn't even have to order a sample. You oh, can yeah. literally no just way. use a mock-up like, and so we're like a 20 cent listing fee and that's uh, it It's to wild. test, which is the lowest cost of entry ever. Like It really is seriously. And that, so, and that, and that mm-hmm. design, it only takes like one product to really like crush it for a mm-hmm. shop. Right. And I always kind of say that like you're one product away of really like changing your whole business and changing your whole life. It's mm-hmm. like the majority of sales, oh, the shops that I see, and I'm curious what your shop is like is, mm-hmm. you know, 20% of their products like drive 80% of the whole, all the revenue for the shop. Um, a thousand percent. I always tell people do that. Oh yeah. It's one of my most common, like when people say like, where do I start? I'm like, start with your five best selling. Cause they're your best selling duplicate those add variations. If you're going to like, like for me, one of part of my like story with SEO and keywords and product research was that like, I had a really bad year. Um, and this was like what I did since high school. So it's not like I had like a plan B. I didn't really, I did an associate's degree on bachelor's. Wait a minute, real quick. And so you actually went from high school to Etsy selling? Yes. Wow. That's so cool. So I don't have, like, I've never had, like, I don't have a degree to go get like a formal job. You're like a full and grad so, like, entrepreneur. Like that's like, I guess, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I guess that, that makes it sound fancy, but yeah, I mean, yes. that's what I did. So I had a year that was not great. And it was a year that like maybe other older, not older, cause I'm not old, but like mm-hmm. people who've been on the platform for a long time, there was like definitely a crossover point where Etsy became like popular and therefore it got like a little more competitive and you had to take SEO seriously. And I just completely ignored it until I like couldn't anymore. And then I, so I redid my keywords, redid everything and then like doubled my revenue. Where am I going oh. with this? Oh, and so I always say, like, people are always say, like, how did you start? Because you did all of your listings in one quarter. So I like decided that like that was what I was going to spend my time on okay. during my slow season. And I'm always like, start with your five most profitable because those are the ones that sell anyways. I I do find that like 80% of my orders that I get come from five products. That's amazing. Maybe maybe six. That's wild. And like how many listings do you have, for example? Um, well, I mean, if you're not counting duplicates, because I do do, I'm, I'm a huge fan of duplicating our listings, um, probably 30 or 40 and we're getting like 30 or 40 separate products that are completely different, not counting duplicates. Um, and we're getting most of our sales from one, two, three. Yep. I know exactly. I've seen it. Six at the max. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And that's, that's fine. And like, it's okay. And like a lot of sellers get discouraged by, um, I'm trying, we're trying to overcome this with this podcast or this conversation is like, they get discouraged when they list a listing and it's just not getting any sales. Yeah. You know, and unless two listings and no sales still, or like barely any sales and three and then five and 10, I'm just like, it's okay. Just keep going. Cause like it yeah. only takes one. It only, it takes, only one. takes one. And I, I just like to like, 
I, whenever, and maybe I, I have like a worst case scenario brain, but whenever I hear things like that, I'm like, also just calculate how much money you've spent. And likely it's not, you haven't lost <laughs> that much yet. Nope. Like I'm like if, in listing fees, if you're talking 10 listings, you spent $2. Yeah. So, I mean, there's no reason to panic yet. You know what I mean? You totally. haven't lost that much yet. More, more than likely, most likely you haven't. That's such a great way to put it for people. Cause actually, um, a lot of people on Etsy, right. They, they think about that dollar cost more than like other platforms. Mm -hmm. Like if you go to Amazon, they're not worried about a hundred dollars, you know, but you go mm -hmm. to Etsy and like our sellers, like my friends, right. Like people I know and you know, right. Um, they're, they're more concerned about a hundred dollars and I get it. Like everybody's situation is different. Um, but look at it like it's it's a business, right? Like it's gonna take startup yeah. costs. And in fact, you should be yeah. thinking like in the hundreds of dollars to the thousands of dollars before you totally give up on something, probably, right? Yeah, 100%. I think, I mean, I think so, yes. I mean, I'd be comfortable, you're, you, I'd be comfortable investing thousands of dollars because, but I guess you what's required for that mindset is to know that it will be worth it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And at the very least, like, I think that sometimes too people, and I, and I'm, I am like of the belief that sometimes things take off on Etsy and sometimes they're completely flat and you're like, well, that was unexpected. Yep. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to happen, but I am of the belief that you are in control of how many sales you get. And so like mm -hmm. there's, it's not that the Etsy algorithm's out to get you. No one's out to get you. Like you are the amount of work that you put in. And so if it's not working, you, you are in control of that. That is your marketing efforts can change. Something can change. It's not the platform's fault. It's. And I'm not, that's like a little bit of tough love, but it it's encouraging too, because I sometimes think that people have the mindset that like someone's out to get me and there's just like force against me that makes it impossible for me. And that's not true. Like you, mm -hmm. you can shift, you can change, you are in control. If you want to make seven figures on Etsy or you want to make an ex enough money for you and your kids to go to Disney, you're in control of that. Do you know Ooh, what I mean? That's the mindset stuff that I love. Yeah, I totally agree with this. Um, I totally get it. Actually, I totally agree with you. What are some things that you've, you have a good mindset. Obviously, you have an entrepreneur mindset. You've you've solidified this from 2014, it sounds like, to now and probably before that even. But the business side of things, how did you, for someone trying to kind of a morph, trying to build that mindset, where, where would you point them? Any books like specifically? Oh, okay. Books, podcasts. I, what, do you, what do you consume, I guess? What, what does Andrea consume? I personally love, there's a few books that I really like. One, I'm a big um, reading business stories book. Mm. Like reading business stories person, that book. Um, but Onward by Howard Schultz about how oh. he grew Starbucks. Mm -hmm. Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Well, I, I listened to that. I watched that. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. It's I like those books a lot. Um, more, I I tend to like the stories more than I like like do X Y Z to get like yep. do A to get B, um, just because you can tell when you read those books that like it seems like they had their stuff together, and then you're reading the book and you were like, oh, that was that was probably pretty unexpected. Like, yeah. like all of all those sorts of things. Um, so I really am a huge fan of those. And then I'm sure that people have recommended it before, but I loved big magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Oh, actually, no, I've never been. I've oh, never... really? Yeah. I love that book. It's so good. It's really, really good for, um, a creative business owner to like, mm. kind of, kind of know their, 
I don't know. It, I felt like when I was reading it, I like told my husband, I was like, you should read this to better understand my brain. <laughs> like it's it. really good for creative. So I really enjoyed that book a lot. That's awesome. Um, I think that so many people are struggling with mindset and they probably don't even realize it actually. Um, mm -hmm. And that's kind of the, the interesting part about the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, I certainly recommend re reading books too. Like that's, yeah. it's, it, it prepares you. It's like, it calluses your brain to kind of persevere when times kind of get dark, which they do, they will get dark yes. actually. And you will doubt yourself. So. Yeah. And having close friendships with other small business owners is awesome. Like one of my very best friends is um, a wedding photographer in our area. And so it's of course completely different than my business, but same in the sense that she's a small business owner. All three of my sisters are small business owners. And that's really nice because regular conversations that I'm having yep. are about business losses, business gains, all that kind of stuff. Yep. You are who you surround yourself with. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. that's yeah. really kind of turn into that. Um, I totally agree with that. Actually, like having a network of people that you don't even need to know them necessarily, but just like yeah. consume them, listen to them. For example, like you mentioned, like you read books and like, mm -hmm. you don't know Phil Knight, which is by the way, the founder of Nike. Um, yeah. but like you basically got an insight into his world and his mind and actually it's where he kind of mentored you in a way, right? Yeah. Thing. And I do the same thing with many people, many books and stuff, Napoleon Hill, one of mine. Okay. And like, I look at him as like a mentor and he's been dead for like, however, however many years. Right. Right. Um, so, and listen to this podcast or watch Andrea on YouTube or, uh, go into like everybody Facebook group or maybe Andrea's Facebook group, if you have one or like, I don't, but yeah, conne connect yourself around yeah. like-minded people. I think is a key. It's everything. I think it's everything. Me too. Um, I'm sure we could talk about this stuff all day, but like, yeah. where, where can people find you and, and learn more from you? Okay. So I mostly share on YouTube. Um, that is my most often where content is going out and my channel is Andrea Vagie. It's spelled V E H I G E. My last name is my maiden name is hard to spell. So awesome. Andrea Vagie is my YouTube channel. And then same for Instagram as well. Perfect. I will link to that. You guys, you can see that in the show notes and also in the YouTube channel description. Um, Andrea, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for sharing the the real stuff, uh, the the inspiration, and I just really appreciate you having having you on. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, cool. I'll see you later. See ya.